0: Amen, amen. It is great to worship together tonight and uh, every Sunday night uh, to hang out. I'm Jack, I'm one of the pastors here and I got to hear from Brian earlier and uh, wanted to draw just... Two quick things uh, to mind for you. Again, we talk about the weekly. Is just that's an online bulletin, let you know everything that's going on. Talks about Facebook check-ins uh, next week, all that kind of stuff. If you're interested in baptism, we would love to talk with you about that tonight, so we can celebrate with you next week, as well as. Um, May 5th is a prayer rally for the whole city of Tucson and multiple churches, all the kind of churches are invited uh, around town and uh, I will be there, part of our prayer team will be there and we'd love to invite you to be a part of that experience that night as we kind of just seek God's best for Tucson and a blessing over the city. So uh, we invite you to that at 7 o'clock at the TCC, you can find all the information about that in the weekly. So glad that you're here and we're kind of in part two of this changing series and if brand and new new. Uh, that means we started it last week. And uh, you can catch up with that. We're kind of this idea that we're always changing in life and that that's meant to be the norm in our own spiritual journey as we follow after Jesus. Now, I know you may be here and maybe you're spiritually seeking. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus yet. You're kind of curious about him. And that's awesome that you're here. We want to be a church where you don't have to believe everything in order to belong and be a part of our family and that you can search this out. And we encourage you to be be questioning and seeking out the best about Jesus, because many of us have come to a place where we've been come convinced that he really is who he says he is, and he's changing our lives, which is what this series is really about, and the reality is you've always been changing. How many of you remember your baby pictures? You were smaller then, right? Um, and At least I barely was, but uh, we were smaller then, and it's just change happens. In fact, I want to show you one of the best-looking families in all the world. The far right, you'll notice a sterling, strapping gentleman there. Wow. Amy really helped me when I got married. Um, That's, like, I think I was 13, maybe. Thanks for highlighting that, that's awesome. Um, That was pre-feathered hair. Um, Feathered hair came longer with the wings, made you walk and run faster, people. It's coming back. Um, So, just letting you know, we all change. It's part of who we are. It's part of the process that we go through in life, and in spiritually speaking, last week we looked at this idea that change that God wants to do in our lives really comes down to two things, that change is the norm, and it comes down to two things. One is a change that only God can do. He's the one, he alone can create this kind of change. It's not something you can muster up. It's not something you can create on your own and motivate and and generate on your own. It's salvation, this idea that life with God is given through faith in Jesus and what Jesus has done, not what you try to do. And that the salvation, that your, your status of who you are is changed when you come to a place permanently and you say, Jesus, I want to give my life kind of the leadership keys, kind of you drive, I'll ride shotgun, I'm putting all my eggs into your basket, you are who you say you are and you're changing me, and I'm now a follower of Jesus. I've now been a rescued one. And so the Bible has many different pictures it puts to this. But salvation is one of those things that says, hey, this is a change that God creates permanently, it's a change only he could do, that's salvation. Sanctification is what we looked at last week, is this ongoing progressive change that God wants to do in our lives as we follow after him. That there's always something that he wants to chip away at our character, chip away at different things that are going on in our lives to make us more and more reflective, kind of what Ani was praying about there in our prayer, just that we become more and more reflective of who Jesus is, what he's really like, and put that on display for a watching world to see that we become different and make a change. We're gonna look at that a little bit more tonight, and that's the change that happens. What I love about our church is getting to hear stories of people and the life change that goes on in their lives, and how God is changing them, and tonight, I want you to hear kind of early on in the message, a story from a couple here that we love, they are dear, dear friends, and it's been an amazing thing to watch, that I don't know if they would even say, hey, we like envisioned this happening, but God's been slowly kind of changing them over time, and as they sat down and got to go to their house and spend time with them, and just say, hey, walk me through this story, this journey that you've been on over the, really the last year and a half, two years, and, and prior to that, God's been in the mix, and it's just this story that's unfolding that I want you to hear from Trish and Morgan, and, and this is their story as you listen to this.
1: So Christianity growing up was, I, I had friends that were Christians, but they were never, like, I, I never had, like, an urge to kind of delve into it. It was always kind of almost one of those things that was... You know, I knew knew people that were Christians, but it wasn't like a big kind of pull to me at that point in my life. It was more about, you know I I understood religions. Religions more fascinated me with the kind of belief system it was. I was, you know, looked into Christianity, Taoism, Buddhism, Hinduism, those different things, but it wasn't kind of a I didn't really find my way to Christ until I was older in life.
2: I grew up in um in a in a local church, a big church. Um, parents were involved. My sister and I were involved, and uh, went to Sunday school. I think I was, um, I was involved in church, but the church didn't feel involved in me personally. And probably about freshman year of high school, stopped going altogether. So as adults, we. Um, we focused on career we focused on getting getting an education we both got our degrees and bought a home we each had a car we were doing all the things that were very adult of us um, after we got married and and um, felt like we had um, we had a good marriage we had good friends we had um, good careers we had all the things that we thought we were supposed to have but there was something about something about our lives that, um, that didn't quite uh, make us feel fulfilled. In 2014, um, after after struggling with all the fertility for about four years, um, they found a brain tumor, and so we struggled with that, and it was causing all of all of my fertility issues. And we quickly learned that we were not going to be able to start a family the, the way, way we, we wanted
1: to. to, or the way we thought we right. were going to have. So our plans kind of yeah. crumbled at that point.
2: Right. Um, Couple of months later, um, a friend told us about Elements, and we started going in January, yeah. 2015. And the music was amazing, and uh, pastors were, were funny and quirky, and uh, we connected with the message. And um, we would come in, and we would sit down, and we would enjoy, and we would quickly slip out. Right and and come back next Sunday and do it all over again. And uh, met someone at work that told us about um, foster care through uh, a local a local Christian agency and how a couple of people that were fostering children also went to elements. And um, we just decided to give it a shot. And it was a really it was a neat process um, through the going through the the foster care classes as it talked spiritually it talked about um, biblically how it was our responsibility um, to take care of the orphans and tying that piece of our journey into um, into how we were going to complete our family
1: you know we're we're now licensed to become foster parents and we're looking mm-hmm. forward to Getting a placement, getting becoming foster parents, and hopefully, maybe adopting some kids through through this process.
2: So as we were coming to church on Sundays, and um, and then slipping away, um, still investigating, still um, on a on a new journey, um, we met um, a couple of people in the in the kind of in the lobby at church, and asked us if we wanted to be part of a small group. And we didn't know these people, and so we were feeling a little hesitant. But we decided to go, we decided to show up. And um, and it was, I had so many questions. We both had so many questions right. about the Bible and about um, who's this guy, Jesus, and why are we supposed to follow him? And why- what makes um, him different? Why right, is this right.
1: The, the, the right place to be?
2: Right. I think we quickly learned that, um, that all these things in our life that we we thought we had planned for, God had a different plan.
1: Right, and at that point it was almost like we started feeling like that that thing we were looking for, that the spiritual emptiness that we had, the cup was actually being filled through small groups, through fellowship, through attending church, through worship, all these things kind of coalesced in this beautiful way that actually made it seem like this is exactly what should be happening at the time. It's almost like, you know, you look back and you see on things it's like hindsight is always twenty-twenty. you might not see how god works the first way around because you know he just he does what he does but looking back on it you're like oh man it's exactly what should have happened that was
2: totally a god thing
1: right you see right. this piece and this piece and that piece and they all kind of fall together and coalesce into this one thing and you're like man how come how did i not see that you're not supposed to see it but it works that way it's, it's amazing
0: I think one of my favorite nights in ministry was a few weeks ago, sitting at your house. And I think we talked questions for two hours, and then we talked about video stuff. But it was just so fun. And I love love seeing people in our church family beginning to take those next steps. Because the premise of this whole series is that this is about changing. And everybody has a next step and that everybody has a pursuit that we're to follow. Everybody has a part. The spiritual growth, we said last week, is a process. It's not a destination. You don't arrive this side of heaven, that we always have a next step. We always are in this process of moving forward. Spiritual growth, in a lot of ways, think of it as a, as a marathon. Now, uh, I have never run a marathon my entire life, you're welcome, um, and I probably never will. Now, I know there are a few people here who do that, and good on you, and I think that's awesome, and maybe I'll come cheer for you sometime, but I think that's great, but I can't call myself a marathoner if I were to show up at the beginning, at the starting line, and take off, and run to maybe the first water station, and then just hydrate, pull up a chair, and sit down. Like, that, that wouldn't allow me to call myself a marathoner, would it? it'd be like a person who like stopped, who got stuck, who stalled out, and I don't know, sometimes in looking at life, what I wanted to, us to examine tonight, so if you have your Bibles, you can go to 1 Corinthians chapter three, or if you wanna pull it up on the version events, all the sermon notes and scriptures are in there um, as you open up that on your phone, um, but there's reality that there comes moments, I think, as we follow after Jesus where we kind of feel like we stall out. We feel like we kind of come to an abrupt end. We feel like there's just this sense. We, we kind of pull up to the water station, and we, and we hydrate. We get out of a lawn chair, and we kind of sit there for a little bit. And and part of that season, like there's seasons to our spiritual growth. It's not like you're always going to feel you know, a certain high or a certain low. There's You know this to be true because you knew – it to be true in your own growing up experience. And it's the same kind of thing spiritually. But there comes moments where I think sometimes we want to kind of pull up and and stall out. And I don't know how many of you ever learned to drive a manual stick shift, okay? You are the real heroes in the room, okay? Because for those of you who have no idea what a manual stick shift is, you're like, what is that? It's a transmission on a car where you, like, you have to do more than just one pedal okay, and you more than like put it in drive or reverse, or the D and R, that's what that stands for, in case you didn't know. But, so, like you actually have to use two feet simultaneously, stay with me, okay? Um, There's one called the thing that's called the clutch, and you have to actually, that's your left foot, you have to push it in, and then you slowly let that out while you're giving gas on the other foot and you're shifting gears. It's kind of complicated, and if you've never done it, uh, you probably never will. I remember learning in my dad's Ford Ranger, right? Anyone, did you learn in a truck? Those of you who learned, okay. Uh, it's a great thing, it's really cool if you know how to do it, but they don't make many cars like that anymore. But I remember in the Ford Ranger, we would go out to this construction site and uh, my father would give me that you know, fatherly wisdom, okay? He would be here in the passenger seat and I would be in and he'd be like, okay, well, <sighs> and I think he prayed first, uh, and then he said, you gotta push the clutch in, and I was like, which one's the clutch, and, and we went through that whole rigmarole, and so finally he said, turn the keys, and we turned it on, and then he said, okay, slowly let the clutch out, and I, I began to try to do that, and I just revved it with a lot of gas, because I figured that's what you do, and the whole truck kind of leaped off the ground, and it was like a bucking bronco for a while, As we are bouncing around in the cab of the car, he's yelling at me, push the clutch in. And I'm like, where's the clutch again? And so like, we're going through this whole thing. Finally, it stalls out. And then we do it again, and then again, and then again, and then again. And then eventually, I think my father got a migraine, and we decided to go home and try it a different time. And my mom took me the next time, and we we learned, here's a little trick, we learned in reverse first, and you actually feel the clutch grabbing better in reverse than forward. So, if you ever have to learn, start in reverse. Little, you know, 30 second tip there. But here's the point of that whole thing stalling out, basically, I was cutting the fuel off and it could not go. And I think sometimes, when we get in our spiritual journey we're following after, then we maybe get to maybe a crisis moment. Maybe uh, we just kind of get on a detour spiritually and there becomes a moment where we almost kind of stall out, per se. And Paul actually writes to a church in Corinth, uh, in 1 Corinthians, where he's writing to this church that he's planted and he's got them going in their spiritual journey and then he gets to a place where he has to write them a letter and 1 Corinthians is a letter where it's it's kind of chastising a little bit, it's a a tougher letter to read but it's one geared at this church that's struggling at some points and he's writing some things and he has these words that are kind of like this fatherly advice, this fatherly pull in their direction to say hey, I I wish you would keep growing, I wish you would keep going, it seems like you've kind of stalled out And here's the words that he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter three. He says, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, who are led along by God's Spirit. And, and that may seem mystical, but it's the idea that God's the leader of your life and he's pulling you forward. The things that you know, you're putting them into practice, that you're not being led that way, but rather as people who are still worldly. Mere infants in Christ, he says, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not ready yet. Indeed, you're still not ready, he goes on. You are still worldly, he uses that word again. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you and the things that are going on, the strife and envy that's happening in the midst of these people, are you not acting like just mere humans? are you not acting like the world? He's used this word worldly a couple different times. The word uh, worldly in Greek is "sakronai," And "sakronai" is this idea of worldly, fleshly, kind of um, meaning it's someone who's preoccupied with the ways of this world, preoccupied with the, the things and the, the ways this world seems to operate. And that way you would kind of give yourself to being this person who's, Detoured and and kind of focused on those avenues and on those structures and those systems instead of the ways God would say, here's how I want you to go about living life. Here's how I want you to go about changing and becoming more and more like Jesus. That's the point of this whole thing is that you and I would let go of habits that we would begin to reflect more and more of who Jesus is to a watching world and to ourselves and to the people that we're connected in community about, that our desires would even change that things would go on. Does that mean that you're never gonna mess up again? (laughs) No, Um, I'll be the first to admit, I still mess up in that. I still have issues of my own, because we all have issues. But this point is to say, hey, uh, Paul's saying, look, I I wish to address you differently, but the reality is it, it seems like you've stalled out that you've stalled out this spiritual growth that's meant to be happening, that we have this next step. In fact, John begins to look at this. I just want you to listen to the progression that John gets at It he highlights this idea of spiritual growth in another text. In First John chapter two, here's what he says. I am writing to you, dear children. Do you hear that? Dear children, think family here. I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name, on account of Jesus, and who Jesus is, what he's done. I'm writing to you, spiritual, fathers you could put in spiritual mothers and fathers it's interchangeable i'm writing to you those of you who are more mature in your faith because you have known him who is from the beginning he goes on i'm writing to you young men or young women you could put in there because you have overcome the evil one he repeats i write to you dear children because you know the father I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. What John paints a picture of is spiritual growth. It's probably one of the, the simplest pictures I can find in the scriptures that talks about this idea that this sanctification, this ongoing progressive work that God wants to do in our life to spiritually mature us up is to go from being a spiritual baby. What did Paul say? I write to you, brothers and sisters, you're like infants in Christ. It's like you got stagnant. You got stuck here. And yet I want you to grow up. I want you to mature in your spiritual faith. And John is kind of giving a word picture to that. This spiritual children, you know your sins are forgiven, that you don't have to beat yourself up all the time. That you you understand that forgiveness, when Jesus said it is finished, like he meant it. And like it's not something that we have to keep going back to. Now we confess because we want to have a clear conscience before God and before people. But it's not that I'm trying to get forgiveness again. I got it. It is finished, period. Jesus said it. There you go. If my faith is in him, that's where I stand. I write to you, children, because you know the Father, that you're beginning to understand who God really is and what he's really like, and you're beginning to, to kind of have the veil pulled back from your eyes to see him in reality, not what other people have said about God, not even maybe what you thought about God in the past, but actually through the scriptures, beginning to see who God really is and what he's really like I write to young men and young women that you have this growth, you've come to this place where you've hidden God's word in your heart that you kind of know the scriptures and it's, it's a part of you, it's, it's a part of changing your outlook and how you see life and how you interact and, and how you steer your life and how you react in life and I write to you because you're beginning to overcome the enemy and there's an enemy in this world that wants to kind of make a delusion of things around you, distort things. He never creates anything. Do you realize that about the enemy? He never creates anything. He just distorts everything. That, you'll see that pattern all throughout the Bible. There's just distortions. And so what distortions is, we just say, hey, well, maybe this is better. And so we go chase that. And we end up on a detour in life, and we realize we're the ones that got stuck. We're the ones who got taken off track from God's best. I write to you, spiritual mothers and fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. This is an intimacy term. This is a highly relational thing. This isn't you know about, this is you know. There's this intimacy that's developed over years of of being in prayer, of study, of, of doing spiritual disciplines, of just understanding that your relationship with God is tight. Doesn't mean you don't mess up. Doesn't mean, because the reality is, listen, this is about progress, not perfection. We have a saying around here that progress is greater than perfection because nobody is perfect, no one. Not anyone on the stage, not anyone in these seats, not anyone in this city, nobody is. But this is about progress. Spiritual growth is a progress, not a destination. This is about a journey of faith, of growing up in our faith, beginning to take steps in that. So when you get to the place in life where you feel or you sense, hey, I think I've stalled out in this spiritual growth thing. What do you do when you get to that place? Because the reality is you will get there. I get there. There's moments in seasons of life where you feel like maybe there's kind of a dry time. You may hear people describe it as that. They feel like, hey, I'm praying and the prayers are kind of hitting the ceiling and it didn't feel like it's going anywhere. I feel like I'm reading the Bible and I'm just not getting anything from it. What does that mean? What do you do in those things? I think you just keep going. I don't think there's any secret to it. I don't think I've ever discovered after walking with Jesus for, gosh, 30 plus years, there's no secret bullet, people. It's just you keep walking your faith out. And when you feel like you're stalled out, the reality is spiritual change will stall out without spiritual fuel. So I run into people and they talk about where they are in their spiritual journey and, and they talk about this idea of really feeling like God's so far away and, and we just talk openly and, and it's not condemnation. It's just, well, tell me about how life is going. Have you, have you been praying? No, oh, man, I haven't done that in like six months. Okay. Well, is there any scripture that you're kind of diving into or thinking about or just wrestling with a little bit? Man, I haven't opened my Bible in a year and a half. Okay, well, Are you part of a faith community anywhere? Are you part of a a church? No, I I gave up on that a long time ago. Okay. You don't like where you're at, right? No, I hate it. I don't like where I'm at. Okay, so here's your plan that you've worked out. How's that working for you? Not very well. So what if we could try a different plan? What if we could actually maybe take some different steps and see if we end up getting some different results? W- would you be interested in that, yeah, I think I would, so okay, uh, what would it look like for you to say, "Hey, um, what if you made church like actually a part of your life, and you just kind of went and, and maybe you, you didn't have high expectations at first, but you actually just kind of got in the building and like showed up and just kinda leaned in a little bit instead of trying to run out the door. You just kinda said, hey, I'm gonna give this a few weeks or I'm gonna give this, you know, every other week I'm gonna go, because there was, or whatever it may be. And we start walking through some different things and, and here's what you begin to find, is that spiritual change will stall out when it doesn't have spiritual fuel. So what's spiritual fuel? Well, the ancient fathers of the faith, and what we see all throughout Scripture, is what most people would call spiritual disciplines or spiritual habits, is another word. We we don't like the word discipline because it's kind of negative, but spiritual habits. We like habits. We you know I eat a salad once a day. No, actually, I don't. But uh, just <coughs> that would be a good habit to have. Maybe I should. But. It's, we have these habits that we wanna put in place because, okay, I'm training for something or I wanna to get to a different place and so we make a habit change. And, and so what would it look like to begin to make spiritual habit changes within your own life? You know, throughout the scriptures, here's what we know. Reading the Bible is a, is a big deal because what we've seen is that God has said, hey, I've preserved this so that you may know who I really am. You may know what I'm really like. You know what? I bet you're gonna have questions still. I'm 35 plus years into this. I still got questions. I still got questions about the Old Testament and what was God's angle and some of those things. I, I, I still struggle with it. I've been through seminary. I still got questions. But the reality is I learn more about who I am and what God's calling me to be in the pages of the scriptures. One of the things that we really encourage people around here is to own their own faith. You know, we wanna do our best, uh, and, and Trisha Morgan touched on this, in cheering and championing you in a small group. We have e-groups that go on all throughout the week at different places from you know Monday nights to Thursday nights to Tuesday nights and we got different stuff happening. We'd love for you to get in a group where people can champion you and help move you and encourage you along in your spiritual journey through community. We'll talk more about that next week, but also this idea of reading the scriptures together, of just maybe for yourself, owning that for your own self. We talk about version a lot around here. Do you know there's thousands of version reading plans available for free right on your phone? How many of you carry your phone with you everywhere you go? Like, So the Bible is accessible. It's more accessible than it's ever been on this planet in any time of history. And yet, Sometimes we we just think that's old hat. And the reality is God wants to communicate with you. He really does. The scriptures, the writers of the scripture talk about this, this word being alive and active. That God wants to use it to penetrate your heart and your mind and your soul to stir you to next steps because everybody has one. This idea of praying together, this idea of, of fasting, and maybe giving something up for a while, to say, in order, I'm going to take that time, that energy and kind of aim that in God's direction in a different way, and maybe it's for a time and what that may be, whether this idea of the spiritual discipline of giving, of just being a person who's just going to give away things, whether that's to a local church or to you know, I mean, to other nonprofits or to just people that you know to that, you just, that you serve people that we got tons of serve teams around here for you to kind of say, hey, I'm gonna gonna generate maybe some of this spiritual growth by serving, by giving back a little bit. I grow more by serving in in opportunities that we have so much through this church in all the different ways that we serve in the community and the ways that we serve around here. You just grow because it's not about you then. It's actually about other people and you're kind of getting outside of yourself and it's amazing what God begins to communicate to you about you when you don't make it about you, right? I've had some of the greatest epiphanies in life about my own selfishness when I'm serving other people. And I realize, who am I to think I'm all that and, and I can't mop this floor or I can't, you know, that I've arrived somehow in some status that I can't move a chair, and you'll, you'll be amazed what kind of conversations you have with your own self, and Jesus gets involved, and he says, yeah, that selfishness, I've been trying to get your attention about that for like four years. How about we go on a little journey, we'll chip away at that a little bit. And you're like, oh, I didn't see that before. And now you do, because you're outside of yourself, serving, giving, doing other things. These spiritual habits, spiritual disciplines happen this idea that those are fuel for you. They're fuel for us in our spiritual journey to begin to say, hey, this is something that I need to be about. This is, I need to fuel myself when I'm feeling like I'm stalling out. That's the time, friends, for you to challenge yourself and to have other people alongside you who would say, how are you fueling yourself spiritually? Can we speak into that? Can we dream a little bit of what that may look like for this next season, whatever that may be, a week, five weeks, two months, whatever that season may be for you. What's it look like, because here's the reality. Every one of us has a next step, and we have a next step with God in that. This isn't about spiritual habits that I just go do in my own, and then I say to God, okay, well, I hope that worked. Um, Okay, I prayed more for five minutes uh, today, and I didn't actually get distracted as often, just 12 times, Um, but what does that look like to begin just practicing these habits? Not in order to try to, to get God to like you better, but to actually allow God to help you grow into your next step and what that may be. Spiritual change, I think, also stalls out when we live so much like the world. That's what Paul's writing to in this early church is a couple different conflicts that are going on. One internally, he talks about, later on you can read in chapter three about Apollos and about Paul and one of you are kind of in this Apollos camp and he was one of the early church leaders there and and I like him better or I like Paul better. He's just a better teacher or whatever that may be and it was like this entrenchment camp battle war going on in the early church and Paul's writing to them going like, hey dummies. Like, you're missing the whole point. This is about Jesus, he's the true famous one, and we want all of our attention going to him. So yeah, he's got some workers, but this isn't about them. This is about Jesus and about moving the church forward. And so he's writing into these people, saying, look, I I wish you weren't so captivated like the world is with conflict and with competition and with all these things that you're kind of aiming your life, it's like you've gotten distracted by the systems and the ways things work in the world and you've just applied it to the how you're supposed to live out your spiritual journey. And the reality is it's massively different. It's different in how we're supposed to live and how we see the world and things that stall out. C.S. Lewis writes this in The Weight of Glory, the book he wrote, he says we are half-hearted creatures. um, fooling about with drink and with sex and with ambition when infinite joy is offered to us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by having uh, an offer of holiday at sea or a vacation at the sea. We are so far too easily pleased." It's like this distortions and distractions that the enemy wants to get us to see in the world. Does that mean you can't have fun? Does that mean you can't do anything like have a vacation? Not at all. That's not what Paul's saying. What Paul is saying is when you make those your number one pursuit in life and all of your attention and affection and admiration is going toward these, these things, then by very nature, you have no energy left, no focus left, no admiration left for anything else. What did Jesus say? Seek my kingdom first, and all this stuff will be added to you. God knows that pleasure is a part of life. He's not a meanie who wants to take it all away. He wants to challenge us and to help us grow in our next steps of saying, hey, we wanna be people who strive forward in our faith. We don't stall out in our faith. There's going to come moments, friends, in your spiritual journey where you're going to be tempted to want to take off from the marathon start line, get to the first water station, and just hydrate, pull up a lawn chair, camp out for a while. And in those moments when you recognize it, when either someone that God has dearly loves and put in your life says something to you, then you need to have the spiritual ears to go, are they right? Have I stalled out? If there's a challenge there that's legit, that you would lean into that and go, okay, maybe that's God's wake-up call to start moving again. And what does that mean? And help figure out what that looks like in your life. Maybe it's just their opinion. And people can have an opinion. That's not true, right? And so you gotta weigh that and figure that out. The challenge for us is this pull in our lives to say, we said this last week, pray, God, what's my next step? Here's the prayer for this week. Not only, God, what's my next step, but would you give me the passion and the purpose to pursue it? Would you actually give me the guts to do something about that and not be a person who just sits back, stalls out, doesn't live with a spiritual fuel to follow after you the best I know how? Not to earn your love. You've already given me that. A spiritual child knows that and has learned that. I'm forgiven. I'm loved, I'm accepted. Now I get to move forward and use the skills and abilities and talents God's put within my life and the things he's calling me toward. And so for that end, I would love to pray as we move into a time of communion, uh, and we do this every week, so if you're new, uh, we have an opportunity to take communion. We've got a couple tables in the middle, a couple down front, gluten-free uh, crackers down here if you need that, and we'll have a space for one other song here, and just a closing thought or two. So as we make time and kind of prepare our hearts for that, would you just join me in a word of prayer as we talk about this idea of change, what that means for you and for me and for us as a church. And so, Father, um, we want to be a people that don't just stall out spiritually. We want to be a people who live out this faith journey of falling after you. And uh, God, I know in my own life, there's seasons where I stall out. There's seasons where, man, I, I just want to pull up the chair and hydrate and, and kind of take a break. And the reality is we always have a next step with you. You're the one who who doesn't want us to settle for ordinary. Uh, So much of our life is about survival. Oftentimes we just want to get to the end of the day and, and say we survived. But the truth is every morning that you've given us is an opportunity to live a life on mission with you to speak into the lives of people around us, the people that you bring across our path, to have those interactions and those conversations begin to continue to chip away at things that you want to chip away in our own own character, things that you want us to let go of so we can grab on to your best. And so, Father, I pray that you would speak to us this week, that you would, again, show us what is our next step, and then, Father, would you infuse us with the power of the Holy Spirit to actually act on that, to take that next step, And so, Father, as we pause to remember, um, one of the ways that we kind of recenter ourselves every week is through communion, remembering the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, knowing that it's his power and it's his hope, it's his grace, it's his forgiveness, it's his love that fuels us into our Mondays and our Tuesdays and our Wednesdays. And so, as we take communion tonight, as we sing this song about resurrection, about this resurrecting power that you want to build in us. Would you stir us this week to say what's my next step and the courage to take it? We pray that in Jesus' precious name. Amen.